So the today, have you had any insights in regards to this? Because it's about the present, the here and now, the way things are. And uh, about being a human being and being conscious and feeling and nama rupa, having a nama and a rupa and having salayatana, being sensitive. And if this, all this is interpreted from avicca, from, not, from ignorance, then what we get is suffering. The whole mass of suffering is the result of taking it all in the wrong way. Now, I don't think Paticca Samupada is a, a kind of uh, creation story or a genesis. Sometimes it, people are trying to relate it in a, in a kind of like to, to a genesis or the original creation. In the beginning was Avicca. It's in the moment, isn't it? It's about this moment now, not about 80 million years ago or something. We're not trying to speculate how it all began. But the Buddha's teachings uh, is, is not a speculative teaching about the, and it's not, not about the past, and not trying to, to blame anyone <coughs> about, like, like old Adam gets blamed for all Eve and so forth in the Old Testament. Our ancestors <coughs> made a mess of it and we have to pay the price, don't we? <coughs> God's the real villain in that story though, isn't he? If there's any way to, you know, if, uh, if you know human nature and you say, to anyone, you know, you, here's this lovely garden and you can, you can have all the fruit on all the trees. Any of it, it's all yours. Take any, as much or any of it as you want. But not that tree. <laughs> no way. Suddenly, at least the human mind, at least my mind, tends to, to fixate on the forbidden fruit. Why is that? <laughs> Maybe that's because of uh, Adam and Eve's fault. But and this is the, and we paint it off in this life, but all that is is a is a myth and legend and so forth. So that teacher Samupada isn't of that nature. It's a reflective. It's a reflection on this experience right now. What whether you like yourself or whether you don't like yourself or whether Adam and Eve really. Uh, we're to blame or God or whatever, what we can know right now is that we're breathing, we're feeling conscious, sensitive beings. This is the way it is, isn't it? I'm not, does anybody not agree with me? Anyone here not a breathing, conscious, sensitive, feeling being? Raise your hand. <laughs> it's obvious, isn't it? 
that that is that's just that's a reflection uh, of just bringing into a conscious state into our consciousness so an obvious truth this isn't just my opinion or it's not just being buddhist it's it's a it's a an obvious truth because a christian couldn't deny that at this moment the christian can say no we're not conscious and we're not sensitive beings at this moment then with uh, with the it begins with avicca bhajaya sankara so this is this is the in the moment any moment now where there's heedlessness not mindfulness non-wisdom not seeing clearly then then there's avicca is going to affect this moment, isn't it? We're going to interpret what we're feeling, what we're conscious of, in in a certain way, in a conditioned way. We all have certain patterns in the, what the class we're from, or the nation, or country, or uh, educational background, male or female, uh, age group, whether you how young or old you are. Uh, personal karma, idiosyncrasies, uh, exp- personal experiences, the whole lot is, if taken from a vicha bhajaya, is going to affect how we interpret experience in this moment. So if, and this, the, the basic delusion the Buddha pointed to, whether you're male or female, rich or poor, royalty or beggar, or or young or old, is the, the self-illusion, the illusion that we create uh, as, a, as a separate self. And this, we, this is how we tend to interpret the feelings we have and the consciousness of this present moment. I am. that whole sequence of vinyana bhajaya, vinyana namarupa, salayatana, pasa, and vedana describe the results of, of also of having been born in a separate form. This is, this is what, what being bur- born is about. You're, there's this, this form, this namarupa that's conscious. And it's and and it uh, and it has this and there's a sense doors, and the and the contacts. That's just that's the way for every single one of us. Isn't it? This is if those those uh, who have not been born yet are not here right now, are they? Do you notice? that everyone here is someone that's been born and those that haven't been born are not here. So that's an obvious truth. So th- these, these, these have all been born. And birth then implies what? Consciousness, doesn't it? When a baby's born and the umbilical cord is severed from the mother, it's a separate conscious being. It's no longer just a part of the mother anymore and conscious through the mother. It's 
conscious in its own, in, in, in its separateness. It, it has eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body and mind, quite independent from the mother. Where, say, until that, in the womb, it's, it's the part of the mother's consciousness. Mother's consciousness affects it. So that's what birth, and it's contemplated just a, a physical birth of a human baby, what that really means, as, in, as the, 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 the baby is thrown out of the womb into, a, into the unknown world, isn't it? Into an unknown situation, where, say, the womb represents the, the known, the safe, the warm, the protective, the protected, where everything is provided by the mother and the baby doesn't have to do anything. Just lay there and, and develop. I suppose that's something. But it's not consciously developing, it's just developing according to the natural law. <clears throat> so birth is, is this... Uh, uh, this uh, uh, a sense of alienation and separation, isn't it? You're th when you're identifying with what is born, then, then you are going to feel a sense of fear and anxiety. Just like I was saying this morning, when a baby's born, it cries, it wails, because it's thrown out of, of that protected safety and oneness with the mother into a, into a cold world that is frightening and uncertain and unsafe. There's a lot to cry about, actually. And the way people have babies these days is horrible, some of them. Don't, don't take any precautions or care or concern about providing for it, just, just, uh, just kind of producing, breeding babies. And human babies take a long time to grow up, don't they? Not like cats and dogs. I remember seeing a, a calf being born down at Chitters. And it just was born and suddenly it stood up on its own legs. It was amazing to see. Just out, right out of the womb and, and, and quite immediately it, it knew how to stand on its four legs. And just look at how helpless human babies are for how many years they have to be nurtured Human mothers have to nurture them for years, sometimes their whole life. <laughs> sometimes humans never grow up. So identity with birth, the I am, this, this, uh, this separate form that was born, and I am this consciousness, which is a discriminative knowing process of the mind, and I am the feelings that I have, which are, can be, you know, heat and cold, pleasure and pain, influenza, virus, you know all the feelings you're having. <laughs> Congestion, bronchitis, <coughs> headache, arthritic pains and the whole lot. This is, identify with that, this is mine. That's a pretty bleak identity, isn't it? 
I am this body that gets arthritis, that gets the flu and headaches, and and then it, then it's all the kind of horrible things that have to cough up phlegm and sneeze and blow your nose. Some of the sounds in this room. Uh, reflecting on birth like this is, is just just too so you, you, you because birth is something that that's happened to us so long ago we don't remember we don't, I don't remember being born my mother told me I was and my mother doesn't tell lies it seems <laughs> it seems like a a reasonable thing to say and assume but then birth in the mind is also to be contemplated, as you can see here in this room, where, you, where you, you're born again as a somebody who's offended, who's sick, who's not feeling very good, someone who people don't understand, someone who's confused, someone who's frightened, someone who's angry, someone who's jealous, someone who's trying to get somewhere, someone's trying to achieve something, someone's trying to get rid of something. And so these births, we, can, we, we relate to the Paticca Samuppada, the, the, the me and mine, and the I am births that we create out of this ignorance in the, in this, in the, in the present situation. Reflection and sati isn't a judgment. Not, not a, we, the, 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 the Western mind tends to immediately assume that we're against the ego and we're against any, 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 having any self at all. We should be without any self and that we should, uh, and that, that ever ha- having any thoughts about yourself is somehow wrong. We go from Grasping the idea of ourselves without uh, with unquestioningly, and then with a little bit of ignorant uh, interpretations of Buddhism, we tend to go to the opposite extreme, thinking we shouldn't have any self at all, and that any thought of self is bad. So that the the mind that that's the grasping also of, it's the rebirth, the birth of someone who's no one or somebody who thinks they shouldn't be anybody. So grasping the idea that you shouldn't have an ego and that you shouldn't have uh, I, thoughts of I am and all that is, is another form of self. So you're, you're noting, you're, you're witnessing, observing, the mindful knowing. These, these, this, these words are... Uh, important to contemplate, like, the, what, is it, what is it to know, knowing something? This is, this is, uh, this is part of the human experience, isn't it? We, we can know things. To know something. This is the experience of knowing. And the, what co- consciousness is a kind of knowing, isn't it? Being conscious means 
that we're now in this experience of knowing something or other. We can interpret it all the wrong way. We can give it and take it all in the wrong way and make a, a and make it very confusing, complicated, and difficult. No, so consciousness is a kind of knowing. Sanya, our ability to perceive things, is another kind of knowing. We're, we're capable of perceiving things. That's what, what language is about, isn't it? We have language. We have symbol. We can perceive things. We can give names to, names to things. You say, Sister Chandasiri. That's, a, that's Sanya. That's ability to perceive. That's a kind of knowing and, and communication. That's, 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 so this is... This is the experience of knowing things. So in, in Buddha, Buddha knowing is knowing through wisdom rather than through just conditioning and ignorance. Modern education tends to be based on avicca bhajaya sankara, actually. It's very much uh, trying to know about things or or knowing what other people have said about things, or knowing, uh, trying to, to, to memorize and know things that have happened in the past, or know about things, or be able to, to uh, develop, say, the rational faculties and logical abilities of knowing through perception. But direct knowing, in the sense of Buddha knowledge, of the jnana, this word jnana, or gnostic, direct knowledge, jnana, dasana, insight knowledge, has, has almost been uh, dismissed as anything worth doing in our, in our culture. Even the gnostic form of, of Western religion has been, was almost annihilated by the Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church all tried to almost had desperately to destroy any anything that reeked of Gnosticism is called heresy. And that very word Gnostic and Jan are probably related, the Greek Gnostic and the and the Pali Sanskrit Jnana. Is the has been from the from obviously from the ancient times a part of human experience. You know, obviously, the Buddha was wasn't saying I have discovered something totally new. He was just teaching what all the Buddhas of the past had taught, which is the way of knowing things as they are. Wasn't that Gautama Buddha two thousand five hundred thirty-two years ago in India suddenly discovered something totally, utterly new? To the human state, because he made it very clear that this wasn't wasn't anything new. Now, can cats and dogs and horses and elephants? Notice that uh, chimpanzees are supposed to be, have very human-like mind, but their abilities to perceive through uh, w- through words, language, and through abstraction is is very limited. 
So that, say, this human form, this experience of being human, or what we call a manusia in the Pali word, is a, is, this, is, this is what it is. We're, this is what it is to be human, is that we are like this, conscious. We're born, just like animals, the birth process of a, of a cat or a human, not that much different, is it? Same kind of physical process takes place. But this being here, we, we, we can think about ourselves. We can contemplate ourselves. We can contemplate about what, what it is to be human. Try to get one of these cats, try to ask Tiger to contemplate what it's like to be a cat. What is catness, Tiger? What is it, what is it like? What is, what is the experience of catness? Examine what, it, what, what the, the feline karma is. Contemplate it and reflect on it. We can do it about cats, but they can't do it about themselves. And what we see, what we perceive as cat, feline, tiger, these are perceptions of them. We, we, even though the tiger is not here right now, we can perceive tiger in this room, in our minds. Right in our minds, we can perceive, see, perceive that cat. Or Doris, who's down at Chitras, perceived Doris. So that is our ability to perceive we, and remember. Now when we grasp all of that, that those functions of the mind as self, then of course we interpret it in very bizarre ways and, and distortion because it becomes my cat, or not my cat, or I like cats, or I don't like cats, or I wish in monasteries I didn't have cats, or I wish we, I wish you could have more cats. The whole thing gets carried away into, a, into much more kind of, uh, views, opinions, positions that one might have in regards to that subject. We could even have a big fight about it. Those who want cats and those who don't want cats. You can have a split in the Sangha. A schism. I mean, people fight over anything. Isn't it? The, 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 uh, I know, the Sunnis and the Shiites in, in Islam. What they fight about is incredibly, seemingly insignificant. Something about who's related to Mohammed, or whatever. It seems so insignificant, it's not even worth remembering. And yet, this seems to be a source of, of bloodthirsty, blood-curdling enmity and war and bitterness over the centuries. Or the Catholics and the Protestants. They used to, the Catholics used to to burn people at the stake if they didn't believe that Jesus Christ's body didn't rise up physically into the heavens. And the Cathars in, uh, in uh, southern France and Spain 
didn't believe that the resurrection of the body was that wasn't part of their belief that they didn't believe that Christ's physical body actually floated up into the heavens and they were slaughtered for probably other reasons but yet that could be a source of great enmity isn't it? that's perception and interpretation view and opinion doctrine affects how we perceive things if if we perceive that somebody who doesn't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is evil, then it's, it seems the logical thing to kill them, doesn't it? If, if one is, is coming from a vicha bhajaya sankara, then if, if you're brought up in a society that conditions you through a vicha bhajaya sankara to, to believe that those people are evil because they don't believe this very important doctrine. Somehow it becomes very important to, have, to believe this doctrine and that, that people who don't believe this doctrine are bad. And so therefore the, the, the logical thing to do with somebody like that is to kill them. That's avicca bhajaya sankara. And that's why people do the things they do. Why, they, why there are these uh, atrocious wars and, and man's inhumanity to man and the, the whole history of blood and torture and brutality in the human, uh, human history seems in, in any society, any culture, there's no, no one that has escaped this avicca bhajaya sankhara except maybe some individuals, or like Buddhas. There's always a, a, there are always a, a few enlightened beings. But say the masses, the masses tend to come from this, from the conditioning of the mind, the belief, the grasping of belief, the identity with the five khandhas, the identity with the feelings and the thoughts and the views and the opinions and, and that grasping and that identification, then we interpret our the human experiences from that position, which is that if you're, if you're if that kind of dualistic thinking, isn't it? It's, it if, it's not, if it's not good, it's bad. Dualistic thinking tends to be, to be very, it's fixed, isn't it? It tends to be simple. It's very simple. It makes life very simple. Is it very clear? The, the good, the bad, black, white. Remember in the old kind of uh, morality plays or in the early Hollywood movies or even late ones where, they, where the villains wore black and, they, and the good ones wore white. You could always tell who was bad by because they wore black, and they looked wicked. Everything was life was very simple then, wasn't it? Back in the, I remember back in when when I was growing up as teenager, it was very clear the differences between male and female were so obvious. It was unquestioning. Girls had long hair and wore skirts. 
men had short hair and wore trousers. That was just, that was the standard and that was never questioned. Men would never have long hair, women would never have short hair, men would never wear skirts, women would never wear trousers. So you could always tell immediately just by that alone, the length of the hair and what there was, was girding their loins, whether they were male or female. And I remember in the early 60s when men started growing long hair. And that was really upsetting people. Remember the, the, the joke about, you don't know whether they're man or woman. <laughs> and, because like with the Beatles and that, and then they, they started growing long hair, like girls. Like that. And the men wore, wore navy blue and brown black and gray. Girls wore pink and uh, pastel shades. It was very easy. So you had long hair, skirts, pink skirts, and long hair. There was no confusion. It was very simple. But then when that, when that was, that perception was changed, when, when suddenly you were being thrown off by, uh, by non-conformists, subversives creeping into the society, <laughs> perverts, all kinds of horrible words people were calling them evil forces uh, because the sense of righteousness that, that it was life was so much easier when things were clearly spelled out and everything clearly decided and defined just on the on the on superficial appearance how the surface looks and that now a mind like that a vicha bhajaya sankara depends very much on the surface appearing a certain way and it gets very, uh, and one gets very threatened if, if the appearance changes because it, it, that's what culture shock is, isn't it? If, you, if you've ever, people that go from, say, from one very controlled uh, cultural environment to a different cultural environment, they can't relate to it. They, get, uh, they go into a state of shock because they can't, the, everything's foreign and, and different confusing. It's not what you're used to. It's not the way you do it at home. It's not the way you've been taught to do things or people don't look the same or they don't react the same way. And so one gets, one can be very, very threatened, very anxious, upset going into a different culture. Because if we're, if we never question or look or examine life, then or, or look into the nature of things or reflect on the way things are, we just condition. We are just conditioned to, to perceive in certain uh, ways. Even through modern education, we are conditioned to perceive or fashions of the time, values of the time can be just assumed unquestioningly and, and, uh, never qu and, and therefore when, when questioned or challenged, we just tend to react with, with anger or aversion.
Now, I think the, during the Cold War years with the Soviet Union, I think the United States was, had it quite easy it because Soviet Union, before the, uh, Gorbachev suddenly came into the scene, was easy to perceive as bad and evil. When you have people like Stalin, and then the following ones were, were, not, uh, were not ones that, that gave any impression of it being any other way. <laughs> so you, you had, to the American mind, it was very clear who was, who, who was on God, who, whose side God was on. And it certainly wasn't the Soviet Union, which is an atheist country, doesn't believe in God. And it has these kind of um, unappealing, uh, unattractive leaders. And, 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 uh, and then you, you try to, and you hear about all the horrible things that they do there. And, uh, and there's a whole history, of, and a lot of it's based on on fact, even not made just made up in somebody's prejudiced mind, but there's actually subversive a, the KGB and all these different terrible secret societies and and, and uh, espionage uh, plots taking place to subvert or take over or destroy us. So the, this need to defend and protect ourselves is always from this it's instinctual in one way just from the, the animal nature really but also uh, say as a nation this is very much the perception uh, from Avicca Bhajaya Sankar being brought up in America in the, uh, in the 40s and 50s you were definitely conditioned to perceive the Soviet Union as evil Definitely, that was the way Americans were conditioned to think about the Soviet Union. I never really believed it, actually. <laughs> but it certainly was, was, the, uh, was, was there, was the, was the accepted and promoted way of thinking. Now that is definitely a, a prejudice, isn't it? It's a bias, it's an opinion, it's a view. Maybe it's even based on a certain amount of, of truth or facts. Maybe the, there have been evil things done or things, uh, you know, one, can, one can't just, it's not just a total fantasy, but it is a, a, a grasping of an opinion as some kind of permanent ultimate truth or assumption that is that one regards always in the same way and reacts to in the same way. Now we're all subject to that, aren't we? We we all have our biases and preferences and opinions and views. And the biggest one is I am. I am somebody or I should be somebody or I shouldn't be anybody. But, say, in, in investigating Paticca Samupada, you, you have a, a way of, of looking at the present moment with a, with a way of reflecting on it that can really enlighten you. 
allow you to see things, see it clearly, what, what actually happens, what is the way things are, and what it is that you create out of avicca bhajaya sankara, unto the way it is. For example, this being is here, sitting here. This being is perceived as Ajahn isn't it? And this being sitting here, called Ajahn Sumedho, is conscious, eye conscious, I have eyes, I have, I have bifocals, but they still, I can still see quite well with, with my specs. I have two ears, one on each side of my head, sit here. I have a, a, a nose, and uh, that can uh, smell. I have a tongue that tastes. I have a body that feels heat and cold pleasure and pain. I have a, a brain. I have uh, all this, these internal organs and a skeleton and uh, and uh, the whole, the, all the, the, this is present here and now. Now, if it's if if I'm if I'm getting caught in a vicha bhajaya sankara, then the mind would go, "Here I am, sitting here, me Ajahn Sumato, and I feel this way, and I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I and I wish this would." And I, uh, you know, it, it depends on the mood I'm in, whether I'm happy. If I'm happy now, oh, lovely these monks all sitting, a wonderful lot, really love them all, They're great guys and those anagarikas decent chaps and those Dasa Silandaras, great gals. <laughs> Anagarika is really super, super duper people and, and the lay people are marvelous. And one can go into ecstasies of, uh, if I'm in a good mood as an Avicca Bhajya Sankara and then everything's just wonderful. I love everything. It's super. Love Amravati, and I love the English climate, and I love January, and, and I love everything. Have a positive frame, and, and I'm and I'm a very happy person, and I'm and I'm uh, feel really good about things, and I really like myself, and and uh, love my mother, and grateful to my parents, and the whole lot. If I'm in a, in a not-so-good-mood, I'm in a grumpy mood, then I tend to, to feel chanting, always off-key. <laughs> Why can't they sit up straight? Why can't and the mind goes into just being critical irritated uh, and thinking, you know, here I, you know, teaching all these years and nobody seems to be getting the point. <laughs> I can just be, just every time I see anyone, some, the mind can pick up a flaw or a fault, something I don't like about each one of you at this moment, if I'm in a grumpy mood. 
if someone's not sitting straight, I think, look at them not sitting straight. This is disgusting. And if they're sitting straight, I think, look at it, sitting straight. Thinks he's so good, sitting straight like that, showing off in front. <laughs> because the negative, when you're in a negative mood and, you're, and the avicca bhajaya sankara takes over, then the mind just it looks at just what this aims at and it, to see what's wrong or creates a world of of uh, of flaws and faults. When the when the mind's happy, when I'm happy and feel good, then then I want to create a happy world where everybody, I love everybody, and and ev- and the little faults and little things that they each one have are, are quite just human things. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's just part of our human. We, we love each other in spite of our little flaws and weaknesses, don't we? It's a happy world. If you're, uh, if you're, if you've got the stomach problems, that uh, I, I have very good digestive tract. But one time in Thailand, I went through a period of uh, where I had grave problems with with digestion. And uh, and uh, I just feel this terrible pain in my stomach all afternoon. And I I just saw the world always in a sour stomach. Everything looked sour. Everything looked horrible. In uh, from because that that sour stomach, that painful, uh, unpleasant feeling in my stomach would influence how I saw everything and felt everything. So I created a sour world just from the pain and miserable state of my stomach. If you're frightened, isn't it? If you feel fear and if you're worried and anxious, then you create a world of anxiety. There's always something to worry about. The future, isn't it? The future, you can always worry about the future. If you can't think of anything to worry about right now, you can always worry about the future because anything could happen in the future. And so we become caught in worry and anxiety and and maybe and things might not work out and what if this happens, what if it doesn't happen? So that this whole... Uh, we create a whole world in this, uh, we can, out of avicca, of anxiety, worry, fear. Now these worlds, we, we, it's not permanent, is it? These worlds change. If, if some, it, we might be worried now, and then somebody says, uh, you've just won the lottery, you've just, you've inherit, you've just won a million pounds on the lottery. And then you're not worried anymore, are you? For a while there you think, wow, million pounds. What I can do with a million pounds. Wonderful world. And somebody think, well, you know, pounds not worth as much as it used to be. <laughs> and somebody, some wet blanket comes in and kind of puts a damper on it and you say, oh, get out of here, I can't listen to you. Because you're enjoying a world that is happy, where you, you can imagine, you know, your fantasy life, you know, I can get anything I want, I can have everything I've ever wanted now, I'm a millionaire, whoopee. 
what do I want? What do I want to get first now? What, what should I get first? And then it starts, do I want this or do I want that? And then we have to make decisions, which can also be create another world of uh, having to make decisions is also misery, isn't it? Having to choose what wonderful thing you're going to get first. Oh, this avicca bhajaya sankara onto the moment where, say, all of us now are in the natural state of not being anybody and not being anything, but these, these beings are the result of birth, they're conscious, breathing, feeling, sensitive. They've been conditioned by life, so we have, we have thoughts, we have language, we have memory, we have uh, a self-view, we have all of these things, each one of us, but from the position of the Buddha, we contemplate it, we're reflecting on it, as is, rather than creating an illusion onto it of, of me and mine. And that, that's where you can really see and know that point in any moment, where just the way things are and, and what you create out of ignorance. Now, reflective thinking is not out of ignorance, is it? When we talk about reflecting on the Dhamma, this isn't avicca bhajya sankara. This is using the sun ability to perceive the sanya and consciousness in a skillful way for enlightenment with wisdom, isn't it? We're we're using wisdom with consciousness and the sanya ability to perceive. But when there's not mindfulness and there's not wisdom, then it goes, it slips back into the avicca bhajya sankara habit and the mind goes, proliferates. Well, just uh, conceptual proliferation will take place and one is just caught in, a, in, a, in, a, in all kinds of fears, doubts, worries, problems, fantasies, hopes, uh, disappointments, and anger and aversion and, and greed and lust and doubt and uncertainty and, and blame and so forth. The whole, and these, these just can go around and around and around in our minds. We're kind of helpless victims of life then, aren't we? When where there's a vicha bhajya sankara, we're just victims. We're no longer uh, free beings, wise and free. We're victims of life because we can we we can be uh, we we can be so manipulated and controlled and exploited through this ignorance. So life, we become life's victims through avicca bhajaya sankara. We're the unfortunate person. I'm the unfortunate person because I wasn't in the right place and right, and wasn't born into the right family and didn't have the right this and the right that and suffered this and didn't get that. And somebody didn't cheated me and somebody took advantage of me and somebody corrupted me and somebody did this to me and then did that to me and and then I probably wasn't born with all the best equipment anyway, and therefore, well, just the rotten deal, this thing, is being born, 
Just, life is horrible. I'm a victim, isn't it? I can just, all I am is just somebody who is, is getting old. And what do you do? Well, today I went to see Muriel Clark in the hospital. It's an interesting place to go. A whole ward of old women in all different stages of decay and collapse. whole war of old women with sick and Muriel says that one last night one woman just screamed for half an hour woke them up kept them awake for half an hour just screaming and yelling and things like this are interesting that taken as a, as a personal personal uh, taken from the avicca bhajya sankara is that we're just we're just life's victims aren't we we might have a little bit of glamour and a little bit of pizzazz while we're young but when you get that like that you're not very attractive anymore in fact you can be quite repulsive and you and uh, you don't you don't have control over your bodily functions so well and you and you're helpless and the most of them can't walk anymore, and they're, they're just helpless, kind of uh, there. Fortunately, the nurses seem to be very kind. They're very kind nurses on that ward, so they seem to be very eager to do all the right things and and uh, be very helpful to these old people. So the experience of old age and, and that is taken from the personal view, from avicca bhajaya sankara, can only be a very unpleasant, dreaded experience. But from the way things are as Dhamma, then it's, 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 no, it's no longer interpreted in, in that way. It's no longer, there's no longer an illusory world created onto the way it is. One can bear up with all of that. As a human being with wisdom, we can bear up with whatever life brings to us. And it's not, not uh, something that we can't stand. We, can, we only think we can't stand it if we're caught in this avicca, bhajaya, sankara position. Then we think, oh, I can't stand that. I hope that doesn't happen to me. I couldn't bear that. The, why does it have to be this way? It's not fair. So in contemplating your, your own experience, your way life is, you're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very honest, very direct knowing of Dhamma. And I found it like this, Paticca uh, Samupada, very skillful in, in, in getting you to see clearly the, that, the way things are by reflecting on just the obvious uh, way it is at this moment, which I've done. Then I can be aware of what I think or I feel as a person, what I believe or what I want or don't want. What, what I, how I can. Like I can just look, say, look at Sister Chandasiri. 
just as, as the way it is, or I can project all kinds of things. Depending on my mood, or whether, you know, how I feel, or, or memories, or prejudices, or, or whatever, I can project a person onto that form that's in my mind, that isn't her, but is totally a creation of my mind. And that's what we do to each other, isn't it? That's what we, we, we really uh, victimize each other by our projections that we create about each other, and, and ourselves included. We, have, we, have, we can have these believe that our, my opinion about Chandrasiri is, is actually her, a kind of permanent her. But actually, when you look at it, it's something I've created in my mind. It's memory. It's, it's, it's affected by the mood or what's happened or all kinds of things can affect what I create. But at this moment, as is, the, the reflection is that, say, if my eye contacts her form, that's eye consciousness. This is the way it is. There's consciousness, feeling, that's the way it is for her too at this moment, I assume. And that's not going into whether uh, uh, everyone's feeling positive, negative, indifferent, jealous or frightened or threatened or, or infatuated or admiring or respecting or disparaging or criticizing or blaming or whatever. That we do when we see that, then we have we have a foundation to to see what we create out of the way the way we happen to the way we happen to uh, be feeling the mood of the moment the the memories the perceptions that we have and how many of you really believe that well your perception of somebody is a real person is what they really are. Like if I told you the Cathars didn't believe that Christ's body didn't rise up into heaven after he was crucified. If I, uh, I say, I'm saying that now. Cathars do not believe that Christ's body, Jesus Christ's body after crucifixion rose up into heaven. I don't see any of you getting upset by that. Anybody want to go kill a Cathar? Because that's no longer that's not a threat to us, is it at all? There's nothing threatening about that. It doesn't. We don't. That that kind of thinking, that kind of uh, believing, is not part of our uh, our conditioning, is it? It's not something that that we care about or are interested in. It's no threat to us. But if I mention something that was threatening you, something that really, I could push one of your buttons, I could say something, and it would really set you off. Kill him! 
<laughs> so then we're, we're, we're life's victims, aren't we? We're, we can be manipulated by, by uh, anyone who, has, uh, who, who understands how to manipulate and exploit and victimize others. But if you see in the light through the jnana dasana knowledge, through the way of knowing, then there's no way you can be deluded by the appearances or the prejudices or the fashions of the age or the biases or the, or the foolishness, the stupidity, the blindness of the present time. Because you're using you're using this, this, this formation skillfully. This is the path. This is the Eightfold Path. This is, this is what being a Buddhist is about, being one who develops this path, this way of knowing and seeing, free from delusion. And so in, in Buddhist uh, chants, we say, the one who knows things as they are, has come into the world, the one who knows things as they are. It's not Superman, is it? Not, he can perform miracles and do fantastic feats and, and set the world right. Superman was always going around, you know, fighting off the, the, the villains in New York City. You know, and so Superman was, was more, I mean, wasn't wasn't one who knows things as they are. He was dedicated to the eradication of evil and towards saving the, the fair maidens from the, from the villains, from the evil ones. But they, Buddha, one who knows things as they are, doesn't mean that we, we just say, oh, evil is impermanent and not self. And, but sati is, is the ability to not be deluded by evil, not to be deluded by the appearance. So when there's sati and sampachanya and panya, then, then this is the protection and the way of not being deluded. So our responses the way we live our lives as separate sentient beings is responsive, is, is responding to the way things are with wisdom rather than through conditioning, through attachment, through bias. In, in, uh, this is the, the first week of the retreat has passed, the, the interesting phenomenon of sickness. You see the monastic community kind of... towards understanding, for reflection. And then the, the letting go, isn't it? The, in, in uh, this uh, Second Noble Truth, or the Avicca Bhajaya Sankara of the Second Noble Truth, it's the letting go, the Bahadapa Tama. It's called the letting go, Dhamma of letting go. 
is the insight, letting go of desire, letting go of, of, of the feeling. Not suppressing feeling, but not attaching or letting go of it if you've attached. Letting go of desire. This, this dhanha, ubadana, ubadana is the attachment, isn't it? Letting go of desire. Letting go of the gamadana, pavadana, vipuvadana. And so you really need to know what dhanha is in its coarse, obvious coarse things like, uh, uh, of karma, sensual greed and desire, but also in its very refined subtleties of bhava, dhanha, vipava, dhanha, which can be very refined and very altruistic and very, uh, very beautiful desires that one is attached to. So that, that de, to, to contemplate desire, to really to have that clear insight into, into the nature of desire, what is it as, a, as, a, as an experience? And the Vedana, use the Vedana of the body, the feeling, the pleasure, the pain, the neutral feeling of, of your body. And, and the mood, really, what, what the mood, the confusion, or the calm, or the happy, or the unhappy, or the elated, or the depressed, or the indifferent mood, so you're aware. And then the desire that, that, that you have in w- wanting, if you're happy, to, to hold, be happy all the time, or desire to, if you're unhappy, to, to be happy, and just to see how desire, this restless movement, m- this motion of the mind, always looking for something, never, desires never satisfied with anything. Desires, and when it gets what it wants, then it aims for something else. So when you're attached to desire, then you're always, you're never going to be content with anything because you get it and then you, then, then the desire will go off to some other thing. Because desire has no possible way of ever being contented with anything. That's not, Desire is, is always looking for something else, and not never what it has is never what it wants. It wants something else. So, to really know desire, dhanha, ubadana, the grasping, clinging of desire, bhava, becoming, jati, the experience of having become something, the birth and that identity of birth with birth I have now achieved I've now attained something I've got what I want and that may for, for a few seconds a few moments be very nice elation and then what do I do next I've won the prize what do I do next? <laughs> so, so jati conditions the jaramaranang soka parite vatukatomanasa upayasa. This whole, this whole mass of suffering. 